it's great to see you here. Now, listen, we're, we're small in number today, so when you sing, you've got to give it, you know, all you've got, uh, so that we can be heard in the neighbourhood. Um, we're going to start by praising God. Uh, we've come to meet with God, and, and we're going to praise him in the words of uh, all the songs that are coming from Praise the Lord, 109. You know this one very well, so I expect you to sing with gusto, you know. Uh, you know all of the hymns. There's nothing special today because I knew that we would be small in number and so I expect all of you... Uh, we have two American friends with us and they don't know any of these songs at all. So you need to sing with gusto to carry them along. Okay? Good. Um, after this, please just sit down again and, and we'll pray... Tell out my soul, the greatness of the Lord. Unnumbered blessings give my spirit voice. Tender to me the promise of his word. In God my Saviour shall my heart rejoice. Well, thank you for that. It, it's always nice to have a, a rousing hymn, I feel, to start with. We're going to do what David did. I'm going to talk a bit about David and we're going to do what David did right now. I wonder if you remember what David did. He, he went into the presence of the Lord and he sat and he gazed on the beauty of the Lord. And I bet he thoroughly enjoyed it too. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to sit and gaze upon the glory of the Lord and we're going to talk to him in prayer. So, whatever you do in terms of prayer, you might bow your heads. You know I don't. Um, I want to look up and, and lift up. and Whatever you want to do, do it, but we're going to remain seated right now. Okay. Holy Father, Holy Father, thank you. Dear Father, I know you care for us and Father, I know that you're always with us and I do pray that you will help us to focus on you now and through our meeting, but at all times to be aware that you're with us. We're a very small number, well, we're not very small, but we are a small number of people today. And we have children, and uh, I know children make noise, but I know that you like that, Lord. They are crying out to you as much as anything. And crying out your praise as the only God who can create life. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for our time now together. Help us to, to focus on you, to know that you are with us here and to know that you love us and that you enjoy us, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Richard is going to come and give us the announcements. Morning, everybody. Lovely to see um, you all here this morning. Particularly welcome to Jeff um, and to Van and Dee. It's been really lovely having you with us um, for the past couple of weeks, and we pray that God will give you a safe journey home. We continue to pray for Debbie and Ben Downer. 
Debbie's mum is currently waiting for treatment for her cancer as the hospital are finding it difficult to find the primary source of the tumour. Tony's mum is still in the hospital and we pray that she'll be get better soon. We pray for the Lord to be close to Marion, to Gladys, to Pauline and Zoe Dean who all continue to face considerable struggles with their health. We pray for Anne Wichert who also faces significant problems and challenges. I'd like to thank everyone for the support they've given to Jack during the last few weeks, which must have been very difficult for him a year after Mary died. Thank you, Richard. Um, <coughs> we now are going to have our, our, our intercessory prayer, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so if anybody has anything that they would like me to pray about, then now's the time to let me know. Approach our Father in prayer then. Uh, again, <coughs> remain seated and, and we'll talk to you, Father, because you are the great God, the only God, the one who made us all and the one who cares for us, Lord. Thank you. And you sent Jesus to show us what you're like. And I know, Lord Jesus, that you reign over the earth now and we pray that you will Bless these people that we've been talking about. There's <coughs> Marion and Gladys and Jack as well and any others that, that we may not have remembered who are regular brothers and sisters but perhaps we don't see them as much as we would like to. We know they have all sorts of ongoing problems. We pray, Lord, that you will be with them. I know that you will be, Lord. Let them be aware of your presence with them. And Chris's friend has um, a lot of difficult decisions to make. Uh, Chris's friend Dot, and we pray, Lord, that you will bless her. I don't know her. My guess is that most of us don't know her, but Lord Jesus, I know that you do. And that is so good to know that we can leave her and all these other people in your care knowing that you know them through and through. Like Tristan in Turkey and the fact that he's now become an adult and has to find his way in the world, we pray that you too will be with him and bless him. I don't know him, I don't know what his beliefs are, where he stands, but I know that Turkey is not an easy place and I do pray that you will be with him and guide him and guide him in his future life and above everything else perhaps bring him close to you. And <coughs> uh, Marion, that's Pearlene's neighbour, um, has a lot of pain and I understand some of that and that's very, very debilitating. And Lord, we pray that you will give her some relief from that pain and, and bless her. And again, Lord, bring her close to you. And there's Debbie Downer's mum. I've met her a few times, but I don't know her. But I know that you do. And, and I think she knows that we are praying for her. So Lord, be with her and bless her and comfort her and her family. And, and bring them close to you too. And then of course there's Zoe with terminal cancer and we, we don't know what might happen or 
what might be happening now. But Lord Jesus, again, we know that you know the ins and outs of all of it. And we pray that you will give Zoe courage. Courage to face what's coming. And to face it with faith in you. And to be a shining example of faith and trust in you. To Roy and the, and the boys and to everyone else that she knows. Lord, bless them richly and bless us all and help us to honour you in all that we do. Lord, thank you. Amen. We're going to sing again. Again, it's one you know uh, and I think those who may not know it will know the tune and will be able to sing with us. And this, I, I like this almost completely for the first line. I mean, I like the rest of it too, but the first line says so much to me, O oh God, beyond all praising, God isn't dependent, as it were, on our praises. That's, that's not what it's about. He enjoys our praises and, and enjoys us coming close to him and, and addressing him. So let's stand again and sing this together. O oh God, beyond all praising, we worship you today. We're going to take our first reading. Uh, they're not readings from the, uh, the, the reading plan. They are readings that I would like us to read before I talk to you. As I said, I want to talk a little bit about David. Um, and so we're going to read what are called in this version the last words of David. It's from the second of Samuel and chapter 23. The second of Samuel, just chapter 23, and we're only going to read the first seven verses, but that's what I want. And uh, our, our American sister, Dee, is going to come forward and read that for us. I hope you can understand me. <laughs> 2 Samuel 23, 1-7, the last words of David. These are the last words of David, the oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, Israel's singer of songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, When one rules over men in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings the grass from the earth. Is not my house right with God? Has he not made with me an everlasting covenant arranged and secured in every part? Will he not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire? But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses the tool of iron or the shaft of a spear. They are burned up where they lie. Thank you, Dee. We are going to have another reading, but we're not going to have it just yet, Sue. We're going to have it a, a little way through, if that's okay with you. We mentioned the Bible reading group today uh, in our announcements and so on. And uh, I just want to say a little bit about what we're doing. We're, at the moment... Um, we're going through the life of David and we're very much, very near the end. In fact, this chapter 
I think it was read last week or, or the week before, I'm not sure now, but um, <coughs> this chapter was read. So we're right at the end of David's life. We've got a little bit more to go because we're going into Kings just to sort of uh, uh, look at what it says about David there and the building of the temple. But <coughs> we've been through the first and the second books of Samuel and it's taken quite a long time. It's about a year or so, I think it is, you know. And after all of that time, you get a feeling for things, you know. And those of us who have been in that class, and I look down at Peter because I know Peter comes regularly to that class and, and asks all sorts of difficult questions, which is great, you know. It puts us on the spot a bit, but that's fine. Um, <clears throat> and you get a feeling about a study when you're living with, as it were, somebody for a long time you get an impression about the man David. And I must say that this is an impression that I've only, in a way, just recently come to, and, and a kind of an awareness. And I'm not altogether sure if you're going to share this, but nevertheless, uh, <coughs> let's see how we go. I think David was quite naive I'm just looking at faces to see how people are responding to that. Some furrowed brows and some smiles and some, oh, well, okay then, you know. <clears throat> I think David was quite naive. I don't mean by that that he wasn't wise or he didn't know what was going on. I think he did. But I think naive really means unsophisticated. And I think that's true of David. David was basically very simple. I think his attitude to life was basically very simple. And because of that, when it came to decisions, difficult decisions, they were not difficult for him. The issue was very simple. David was, I believe, in some senses, very childlike. And I think we can learn a lot from him because he was like that. For example, <coughs> when he goes out and fights with Goliath, the, the, the issue is a very simple one. It, you know, he's not got all the sophisticated uh, innuendos and problems that all the rest of them have got. Oh, what if he... Uh, if I go out and fight him, what if he kills me? Or what if he doesn't kill me, if he, if he wounds me? Or, or what would happen if I get frightened? Will I run away? David doesn't think any of that, does he? It's very simple for, for David. He says, yes, I'll go. Because the Lord is with me. I don't need all your armour and stuff. You know, the Lord is with me. It's just very simple. I trust God. And that's all there is to it. And I'm going to do it. And then, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if you remember Abigail, who was one of David's wives, and uh, she is the wife of uh, Nabal. And David's men have been protecting Nabal's sheep and his shepherds and men out there in the wilderness. And he's been like a wall around them to protect them. And when the time comes, David is, is not shy to go and, and say to Nabal, we need some food. Can you give us some food? And Nabal sort of says, who is this guy? I, I, don't, have any, I don't owe him anything. And so, 
A silly man, a silly man. But David's response is very simple. Lads, put your swords on, we're going. That's his response, you see. It's very direct, very simple. And it's only because Abigail comes um, with food and talks to David that David recognises God sent her. But David's response is instant, it's simple. It's, let's do this. And you remember when the Ark of the Lord is brought into Jerusalem um, <coughs> and uh, uh, David again, I think, displays a very childlike attitude to it. This is great. This is exciting. And he's dancing around. I don't know if he's naked or not, but he's dancing around and he's shouting and yelling and, and at the top of his voice. He's thoroughly enjoying it. Of course, his, his wife, Michael, and probably a lot of the others don't much like this because they're, they're too sophisticated. And at the end of his life, turn back. You're in Matthew, no, not Matthew. You're in, I hope you're in Samuel 23. But go back to Samuel 22. And it says something there at the end of David's life. Well, <coughs> well that's debatable. But it says this. Um, let me see, where are the verses? <coughs> um, he says, Samuel 22, verse 21, he says, <coughs> The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I have kept the way of the Lord. I have not done evil by turning from my God, all his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him. And of course, the questions come immediately. You sort of say, hang on a minute. You weren't blameless. What about Bathsheba? You killed a man. And then you, well, you pinched his wife first and, and committed adultery. And then you killed him. Well, of course, this is recorded at the end of David's life, but it's not easy to know quite when it was written. Um, <clears throat> if you go to the beginning, it, it talks about in verse 1, it says, David sang to the Lord the words of these songs, uh, this song, when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Well, Saul was a long time earlier, and so maybe that's when this was written. But if you go over to the chapter that we read, it says there at the beginning of the chapter, <coughs> these are the last words of David. And although he doesn't speak in quite the same way as he does in chapter 22 and talk about himself as being blameless, he says this in verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over men in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings the grass from the earth. Is not my house right with God? And he goes on. 
It's the same sort of idea. And I think it is this kind of naiveness, this simpleness, this simple attitude and simple approach to forgiveness. David's been forgiven. And like children, I mean, they're all going out now, but you know what children are like, you know, if you reprimand them, they soon forget it and it's gone and they're right back to where they were in a sense, in the sense that they, they take all the love that you can give without any embarrassment, without any worry, they just take it. And forgiveness is like that. Brothers and sisters, children of my Father in heaven, forgiveness is like that. And we have to take it and rejoice in it and revel in it and take it wholeheartedly and know that from now on we are righteous. That, I think, is one of the great lessons of David. He accepts God. And he accepts God's love. He gets rid of all the ritual. The tabernacle is almost never seen again. I know there are little occasions and stuff, but from the time David comes to the throne, it's, it's out, it's gone. I know the temple comes later, but from David's point of view, praising and, and reaching out to God and talking to God is very, very simple. Get rid of all this ritual and stuff. It's just me sitting here gazing on the beauty of the Lord. That's what it's about. And that's what it's got to be about for you. It's a relationship with God. Very simple and very direct I think we are altogether too sophisticated we've had <coughs> some Americans staying with us for two weeks I, I know that's, that's, that's not been easy and um, we understand every other word you know and try to make sense of it all, and so on. But, <clears throat> but they've been great, and we've known Dee and Van for a long time. Van is often like a child. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. He's got the quality. And he's got something very special. We were, we were in a, a shopping centre uh, the other day and there was a mum with a young child in her arm and Van, I don't know if he said anything to the mum at all, but he related to the child. And the child, after a while, started to smile. Van has that quality of being able to get into children's world and relate.
We had a party the other day. It was Dan's birthday on Friday. And <coughs> uh, Bessie and Amos came over. And, you know, one of the things that Bessie and Amos do when, they, when they've come over these last couple of weeks, they've run to me, certainly, but they've actually run to Van and Dee. Because they have that quality of being able to relate to children. And Amos goes up to Van when it's time to go and, and gives him a hug to say goodbye. And just as he's walking away, he sticks his hand out and says, shake my hand. <laughs> and they shook hands. And it was, it was just lovely. See, with children, everything is open. Everything is up front. What you see is what you get with children. That's, that's fine. The trouble with us adults is we sometimes find that very difficult to take. I know we've got to discipline them. I believe in discipline. Um, but somehow we've got to be able to relate. The trouble with kids is they grow up and they start to move out of this very simple, naive attitude to life and become sophisticated. There's something in the child, of the child, in all of you. For goodness sake, don't lose it. It is vitally important. If you're not a child, you're not God's child, are you? And you've got to relate to him as children relate to their mums and dads. So David just sat there and looked at God in amazement and in childlike wonder. Get rid of all the bits that get in the way and just look at God Dad. And he relished that and enjoyed God. We're going to take our second reading now, <coughs> and it's from Luke, and it's Luke uh, chapter 18. <coughs> It's Luke chapter 18, and as you can see, Sue has come up because she's going to read it for us. And it's from verse 1 uh, right through to verse 17 inclusive. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, 
Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Thank you, Sue. I I find it interesting, this, this little passage about children coming to Jesus is in a group of things that are about prayer. I find that interesting. You know, um, <clears throat> he talks about, um, in verse 7, will not God bring justice for, those, for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Do you cry out to him day and night? I don't. You know, I'm not holding myself up as something better than you or whatever. I'm just challenging you and me. And the Pharisee and the publican stood and prayed. One, honestly. Without trying to cover anything up. A very simple, unsophisticated prayer. Very direct. And then he talks about children. People were bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. I, I, you know, before I started looking at this, I, I thought it was just children. But babies, it says here. I don't, I've not looked that word up, so I don't know how uh, true that is. But they brought babies to Jesus. And the disciples, of course, the disciples are very sophisticated sort of people, aren't they? You know, get these kids out of here. I mean, that's what we do, don't we? I'm pleased to say there are some kids left in the, the, the service this morning. Uh, um, I know that noise is a problem at times, but they're important. They're very important. Jesus says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs 
to them. Are you one of them? Does the kingdom of God belong to you? I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We've got to have that kind of simplistic faith that just accepts, that just says, yes, God, I know you love me. Thank you, Lord. That's wonderful. And when we sing, yes, Father, I've sinned, but I know that you forgive us. You forgive me because you love me. It's that sense of wonder, that sense of relishing in God's love. I said Van has this ability to sort of get into a child's world and talk to the child. I think that's what Jesus did. I don't know how you visualise Jesus. I always visualise him as a kind of straight, serious kind of face, you know. And I find it very difficult to think of him laughing and such. When I looked at Van the other day and the, the sort of expressions that he was making to this kid, you know, I thought, yes, that's right. That's what Jesus does. And I'm certain that when he took children in his arms, there were all those expressions he was feeling his way through into their world to make contact with them because they were so vitally important to him. And the kids saw in his face the excitement, the joy, the wonder, the love and they no doubt responded to him, clinging to Have you noticed that the Old Testament, the Old Testament is all about God talking to people. Have you noticed that? Well, I mean, you will and you won't, I I, I presume. In some places, uh, God talks to them very directly and in other places he doesn't. He uses prophets and stuff. But God responds to what the people do. You know, um, they've gone wrong and he sends a prophet or he talks to them directly. He says, (coughs) go and tell them they've got to change and all the rest of it. You know, when you come to the New Testament, God isn't there. Have you noticed that? I mean, God of course is there. There are times when God speaks at the baptism of Jesus and all those other sorts of times and so on. But but largely speaking, God isn't there. Do you know why he isn't there? Well, he is there. He is in the person of Jesus. And Jesus is showing us the person of God. He's saying, this is what God is like. Not like your teachers teach you. This is what God is like. And he's smiling and making all these these ridiculous faces to these kids. And he's saying, this is what God is like. Is God reaching out through all the sophistication and, and all the ritual to people, to real, honest people, to children, to adults, to old and young, to pretty and ugly, to wise and and foolish. He's reaching out to all of them. 
and hoping in some way or other to cut through all the rubbish and to directly and honestly meet people. God relishes children. You know what relish means? It means to taste. I think it also means to smell. Uh, <coughs> I don't mean he eats children, but, <laughs> but but you know what it's like. You relish your kids. Relish gives me a sort of sense of, of you know, it comes from back here somewhere in my jaw. Uh, and I, when I think of food, and I'm hoping that Perlian has produced the, the stuff that will make this these... You know, you know, these glands in the back of your throat, they start to do things. And relish um, gives me that sort of sense. And I, and I think God kind of, I don't think he has glands like that, but I think he relishes, I think he enjoys, I think the anticipation of God, of meeting you, each one of you, the anticipation of that, is wonderful to God. And he's reaching out to you. And he's wanting you just to accept when he says, you're forgiven, you're righteous, you're my child. That's it. And like David, to just take that on board. The other passage that's the same as this, but it comes from Mark, puts it just a little differently. It's in Mark 10 if you want to look at it. But um, he says this. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was indignant that the disciples were stopping these people coming. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. And he does that with you, brothers and sisters. He takes you in his arms and puts his hands on you and blesses you. We're going to sing again. <clears throat> this is what's happening in the New Testament. This is how we see God. That's why Jesus' coming was so vitally important. You couldn't see his face, or God's face, that is, when he was dealing with children in the Old Testament. But you could see Jesus' face. And you can know that that's what God is like. Number 68. Jesus, you are the radiant of the Father's glory. You are the Son, the appointed heir. Let's stand and sing this together.
Lord, you're here. I know you are. You're not in this piece of bread. You are in this church. You are, Lord, in amongst these people, your people. You are in us. Thank you, Lord. You are alive. Neil's going to give thanks for this bread. Our Father, we thank you that you don't require some difficult mission of us, some uh, complicated task to become your children. Thank you that we can just sit here and gaze in wonder at your, at your love and your mercy and we can say yes thank you to your forgiveness and we can say yes please uh, to your wonderful gift of grace and we can say yes thank you to your offer of, of parenthood and Lord Jesus we thank you that uh, you don't require some sophisticated ritual of us now that what you've asked us to do is just share this very simple meal to remember you to remember uh, what you did in demonstrating your amazing love for us and as we share this bread as we sit here and our mouths are watering uh, as we're about to share this bread share this fellowship and, um, and share of your of your love and your grace we thank you for it we thank you for everything you've done for us. Amen. Thank you, Neil. Brothers and sisters, this is a reminder. It's not magical. It's no more than just a reminder. The reality of you, Lord, is all around us. Everywhere. So, brothers and sisters, eat this and enjoy it. You know what wine gives you? Well, I'm sure it gives you all sorts of things. And, and sometimes, um, <coughs> well, it, we're told that wine is good for you. Red wine is good for you and you should have some. And, and you should certainly have some of this. But wine gives you joy, doesn't it? That's why you're all smiling, isn't it? You know what wine gives you? It gives you joy, doesn't it? And you know what blood's about, don't you? Blood is the stuff that that keeps you upright and keeps you doing things and keeps you thinking and keeps the old ticker going and all the rest of it, isn't it? And this is just a symbol. It's nothing more. It's just a symbol. But it's about allowing the life of Jesus to mingle with yours and to direct you. This too. But before we do, um, 
Andy Leng is going to give our thanks. Lord God, our almighty, loving Father, we thank you now for this wine that we share together. We thank you because you give us everything that we need. And most especially we thank you for Jesus. Because in him we, we see you most clearly. We see your love. Your blessing. Lord, we know that we are naturally complicated. That we we remember things, we store things up, we feel bad about things we've done. And that guilt stops us and holds us back. And yet, Lord, you tell us, and we remember now, that we need not be burdened by guilt at what we've done. That our consciences can be cleansed. That we can be free from those things that hold us back. Because you love us. Because you forgive us. And Lord, we can go forward. We can serve you. As David said, blameless. If we were weighed down by our sin, we would not be able to do that. But Lord, you forgive us and you send us out to do your work. And Lord, we pray that we will accept your forgiveness, embrace you and your love, and that we will serve you. Thank you, Andy. Brothers and sisters, share in this cup as well and enjoy the Lord. We're going to finish our service by singing again and praise the Lord. Number 219. Lord of all hopefulness, Lord of all joy, whose trust ever childlike no cares could destroy. Be there at our waking and give us, we pray, your bliss in our hearts, Lord, at the break of the day. Lord Jesus, I can almost see you smiling. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for our brothers and sisters who teach us so many good things. And our friends and our close ones. Lord Jesus, thank you for Van. And for showing me love and 
for thee too, Lord. Please take them back to their homes safely tomorrow. And help us always, Lord, to gaze on your lovely face. And see the love brimming over in your eyes for us. And help us to take that to others too, Lord. Holy Father, 